Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. And we are so excited to be back at this. We've had a couple days where we've had some really busy stuff happening, but we are so happy to be back on track with the Bible. Yes, we are here right where we love to be. When we don't do these episodes regularly, we miss it. I've always got this, when are we going to do this again? Can we go home and do this? So literally, it's my birthday today. Whoop, whoop. That's right. She's turning the big double nickels. That's right. And I am happy as a clam to be sitting safe and snug in our home, reading the Bible with the love of my life right here. And I hope wherever you are that are listening, that you are safe and sound and that you have had an amazing day. And it's been a good day for you. I mean, we it has been. earlier today, we uh, did some grocery shopping mm-hmm. for David's house. Yeah, it's an adult foster home facility, and we have really come to love the residents in these Absolutely. group homes. Oh, what joy and what lessons we could learn from some truly oh. beautiful hearts. And so, yeah, for the last year, we have, a year-ish, uh, mm-hmm. we have done all the grocery shopping for like, what is it, six different houses. Yes. So about 60 or 70 people, I think, mm-hmm. somewhere around oh, there. Oh, at least. But it has been amazing, though, just to connect with some of the residents. Uh, today, I'm looking at this bookmark that oh. one of the residents gave me. And he knew it was Heidi's birthday and he wanted to do something. So he came oh. over and he gave Heidi a bookmark. Yes. And he gave me a bookmark. You have a and pilgrim I do. Yours. I have a little pilgrim on mine. Oh, it's like his a little face. I didn't even see I know. See it's got that. a little smile face the and a hat. black top mm. hat. And, you know, I always wear a hat or yes. something fun there. And those residents there have just, oh man, they mean so much to me. And it's always good when they just come up and give you a hug or just take the time out of their day to chat with you. Mm -hmm. I have one guy that literally like helps me round up the shopping carts in the morning. He doesn't have to do that. Yeah. But we're just good to him. We show him a little love. Oh, we love them. And I'm (laughs) telling you, the ladies in houses five and six, oh, they get real disappointed when it's me bringing the groceries in. Where's that other guy? What is he wearing today? And I'm like, oh, I know, I know, he'll be here. <laughs> so. I I just have so much fun with all of them, and yes. uh, I just I love being at this point in my life where I'm not looking for reasons to rob and steal from someone. Mm. I'm looking for reasons to how can I maybe make them smile? How could I maybe make them feel included? You're loving How, people where they are, where they are, right where they are. Mm. So it's, yeah, God's done. I mean, He's not done working in me, that's for sure. But He has definitely done a work in me over this uh, the last twenty years. Yes, He has. So we've all had our deserts, but anyway, we're gonna jump into a prayer real quick. Father God, just be with us tonight and. Bless Heidi on Mm. another trip around the sun. You have been so gracious to her, giving her 55 trips around your magnificent Mm. sun and have blessed her on this earth. And my prayer is that this next year, you just open up doors and possibilities and opportunities for her that bring the hands and feet of Jesus. Just Mm. give us those opportunities and give us the strength and courage and the wisdom to say yes 
but also set good boundaries when we need to say no. That's a good thing, God. That's a real good thing. <laughs> In my birthday wish this year, mm. there is nothing that I need as a gift, but what I would love to see is your spirit poured out on so many people and they take that and just pour love into the world around them. It is just my prayer that this world sees a love revolution. It would make it earth shattering, but boy, we are in such need of some love. You can only fill that little spot in their life that they're yearning for. And they don't even, some people don't even know what they're yearning for. Yeah. They just know they need to fill it with something. So. Father God, make yourself evident to them and uh, just be ready to fill, put yourself fill to the brim. Yeah, and fill put yourself the brim. in those in those low spots yes. in their life. So yes, uh, I ask this all in your holy name. I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So you're ready to, uh, man, this is your birthday. I know my you're birthday ready reading. To read some, yeah. I am. I can't wait to see what God's going to what he's going to say uncover. to me. I feel like there's going to be a little message in there for there's you somewhere. There's going to be. All right, I'm ready. There's going to be. Here we go. We're starting in Matthew 13, starting at the top of the chapter. I think Robert may have mentioned it, but all of these will be listed down below. So if you want to follow with, that's great. Otherwise, we're going to handle the reading. Robert's amazing at those Old Testament names. Oh, and yeah, um, so good. Yeah, there's been a couple chuckles behind the scene, but God created a sense of humor and we like to use it. So... <laughs> All right, this is titled, A Harvest Story. At about that same time, Jesus left the house and sat on the beach. In no time at all, a crowd gathered along the shoreline, forcing him to get into a boat. Using the boat as a pulpit, he addressed his congregation, telling stories. What do you make of this? A farmer planted seed. As he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and birds ate it. Some fell in the gravel. It sprouted quickly, but it didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds. As it came up, it was strangled by the weeds. Some fell on good earth and produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Are you listening to this? Really listening? When the disciples came up and asked, Why do you tell stories? He replied, You've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create readiness to nudge the people toward a welcome awakening. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. Your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. The people are stupid. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look, so they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. But you have God-blessed eyes, eyes that see, 
and God blessed ears, ears that hear. A lot of people, prophets and humble believers among them, would have given anything to see what you are seeing, to hear what you are hearing, but never had the chance. Study this story of the farmer planting seed. When anyone hears news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface. And so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of that person's heart. This is the seed the farmer scatters on the road. The seed cast in a gravel, this is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm. But there is no soil of character. And so, when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there is nothing to show for it. The seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news. But weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle what was heard and nothing comes of it. The seed cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news and then produces a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. We're in the midst of some harvest Ooh, right now. Oh my goodness, there are some wild dreams coming true in uh, in our lives right now. And I don't even think it's dreams. These are things, if you would have told us mm-hmm. two years ago, mm-hmm. four years ago, oh. five years ago, that oh. we would be doing this or doing some of the things that we're involved with right now, both of us would have told you absolutely not. I don't know where you're coming up with that idea, but it, yeah. that is not... Oh, you'd have happen. to pick me up off the floor. I would be laughing at you so hard. So hard. I, Complete disbelief in my heart. I like how he also keys in on the storytelling. And mm-hmm. with us and everything that we've been doing, we've been realizing how important stories are. Mm-hmm. Everyone has one. Some people think, oh, well, I don't have this big, crazy testimony. I didn't uh use drugs i didn't go to prison you know my testimony isn't that great oh when people say that it just breaks my heart Mm -hmm. because everyone has a story yep and it doesn't have to look like mine it doesn't have to look like heidi's and we love hearing people's stories because that allows us a window into who is this person absolutely And it also helps show when you talk to somebody that's been through adversity and is now living in some type of freedom, that story, stories can be sticky if they're told the right way. Mm. Like, you know, when Jesus uses some of the, the different analogies there, these are things that are very use every day kind of things. very understandable. Very understandable to those people. Mm -hmm. So... When he's doing that, he's doing that on purpose because it's sticky. He's relaying kingdom of God information through very, very simple information that anybody hears. They go to scatter seed. Mm -hmm. They're going to remember. Because they all do it. They all do it. It was like, you know, when you gave the talk the other day, I think those kids going to English class are going to be... I hope every time they hear the word noun or verb, they think about I want to be a verb. And I want to be a verb. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm going to get started then in Acts. Yes. 
And I'm reading Acts chapter 18, and I'll be reading to the end of the chapter. Paul stayed a while longer in Corinth, but then it was time to take leave of his friends. Saying his goodbyes, he sailed for Syria, Priscilla and Aquila with him. Before boarding the ship in the harbor town of Sencria, Wow, that was a... Oh, usually it's the Old Testament, but... I know, here we go. Right off the get-go. Before boarding the ship in the harbor town of Sencria, he had his head shaved as part of a vow that he had taken. I didn't know Paul rocking the uh, rocking the head shaved look. I mean... Ooh, like you. I know, yeah. High five, Paul. Wow. All okay. Right. They landed in Ephesus, where Priscilla and Aquila got off and stayed. Paul left the ship briefly to go to the meeting place and preach to the Jews. They wanted him to stay longer, but he said he couldn't. But after saying goodbye, he promised, I will be back, God willing. From Ephesus, he sailed to Caesarea. He greeted the church there and then went on to Antioch, completing the journey. After spending a considerable time with the Antioch Christians, Paul set off again for Galatia and Phrygia, retracing his old tracks, one town after another, putting fresh heart into the disciples. A man named Apollos came to Ephesus. He was a Jew born in Alexandria, Egypt, and a terrific speaker, eloquent and powerful in his preaching of the scriptures. He was well-educated in the way of the master and fiery in his enthusiasm. Apollos was accurate in everything that he taught about Jesus up to a point, but he only went as far as the baptism of John. He preached with power in the meeting place. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and told him the rest of the story. Kind of a Paul Harvey moment. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Paul Harvey was a special. Wasn't he a yeah. good guy? Yes. When Apollos decided to go on to the Achaia province, his Ephesian friends gave their blessing and wrote a letter of recommendation for him, urging the disciples there to welcome him with open arms. The welcome paid off. Apollos turned out to be a great help to those who had become believers through God's immense generosity. He was particularly effective in public debate with the Jews as he brought out proof after convincing proof mm -hmm. from the scriptures that Jesus was, in fact, God's Messiah. Hmm. And that's the end of the chapter. I love that. You know, all of that proof, and yet when it was fulfilled and the Messiah was here, it's like people just are like, yeah, I just, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. We've been praying for this for generations, all the signs, everything, the promises, everything. Yeah. It's all laid out. It's provable. <laughs> He's right here. And they're like, nah, can't possibly be because it seems too much. Well, they to wanted in. it to look a certain way. They were going to take over from the Romans and that Jesus did not look like what they wanted their Messiah to look like. They wanted him to be on an earthly throne. Yes. Yeah, and they wanted him to deliver them from that Roman oppression. Yeah, I'd rather take the heavenly throne yeah, and yeah. deliver me from that hellish oppression. Yeah, the hellish I'll oppression. I'll take that. Yeah, it's all bad. And now for everyone's favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> Will she or won't she? <laughs> We're going to be rewinding back to the Old Testament. And Heidi's going to pick up here with Psalms chapter 30. Yes. I can't wait to see what David says. Psalm chapter 30. 
starts off from the get-go for me with verse 1. I give you all the credit, God. Amen. You got me out of that mess. You didn't let my foes gloat. Mm. God, my God, I yelled for help and you put me together. God, you pulled me out of the grave. Gave me another chance at life when I was down and out. Yep, there was something for me in here today. Thank you, Lord. All you saints, sing your hearts out to God. Thank him to his face. He gets angry once in a while, but across a lifetime, there is only love. The nights of crying your eyes out give way to days of laughter. When things were going great, I crowed, I've got it made. I'm God's favorite. He made me king of the mountain. Then you looked the other way, and I fell to pieces. I called out to you, God. I laid my case before you. Can you sell me for a profit when I'm dead? Auction me off at a cemetery yard sale? When I'm dust to dust, my songs and stories of you won't sell. So listen and be kind. Help me out of this. You did it. You changed wild lament into whirling dance. You ripped off my black mourning band and decked me with wildflowers. I'm about to burst with song. I can't keep quiet about you, God, my God. I can't thank you enough. Mm. What a great birthday psalm. <laughs> mm. And friends, sometimes it really is just as simple as opening up the Bible, going to a page, wherever let, it may be, let God talk to you. and just let God talk to you. It really is that simple sometimes. You don't have to memorize verses to be a part of this, but through this, we hope to introduce you to some verses that you may end up feel like are worth memorizing. Yep, I think there's always those verses that you can just claim as your own. Right now, I've got about 4,873 of them in counting, but um, I have this enthusiasm that makes all of this feel so brand new and exciting. And I hope everybody has the opportunity in life to experience what that feels like I, it's it's indescribable and i don't feel like your seed was scattered on shallow ground either because of the fruit that you've produced mm -hmm. over the last year i mean since your baptism and really just plugging in and the things that we've been doing i mean i, I think of it as i've always been that good soil and the seed has always been there. But there was a very long, cold winter, and the seed had to be dormant for that mm. period of time. But man, when the sun came out, it has just burst into life, and I am so thankful for that. It's fun to watch. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> and now I'll be ending the day with Exodus chapter 19 and 20. Thanks again for following along. Yes. Three months after leaving Egypt, the Israelites entered the wilderness of Sinai. They followed the route from Rephidim, arrived at the wilderness of Sinai, and set up camp. Israel camped there facing the mountain. 
As Moses went up to meet God, God called down to him from the mountain, Speak to the house of Jacob. Tell the people of Israel, You have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. If you will listen obediently to what I say and keep my covenant, out of all peoples you will be my special treasure. The whole earth is mine to choose from, but you are special. A kingdom of priests, a holy nation. This is what I want to tell you, the people of Israel. Moses came back and called the elders of Israel together and set before them all these words which God had commanded him. The people were unanimous in their response. Everything God says, we will do. Moses took the people's answer back to God. God said to Moses, Get ready. I'm about to come to you in a thick cloud so that the people can listen in and trust you completely when I speak to you. Again, Moses reported the people's answer to God. God said to Moses, Go to the people. For the next two days, get these people ready to meet the holy God. Have them scrub their clothes so that on the third day, they will be fully prepared. Because on the third day, God will come down on Mount Sinai and make his presence known to all the people. Post boundaries for the people all around, telling them, warning, don't climb the mountain, don't even touch its edge. Whoever touches the mountain dies a certain death. And no one is to touch that person. He's to be stoned. That's right, stoned. Or shot with arrows. Shot to death. Animal or man, whichever, put to death. A long blast from the horn will signal that it's safe to climb the mountain. Moses went down the mountain to the people and prepared them for the holy meeting. They gave their clothes a good scrubbing. And then he addressed the people. Be ready in three days. Don't sleep with a woman. On the third day at daybreak, there were loud claps of thunder, flashes of lightning, and a thick cloud covering the mountain, and an ear-piercing trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp shuddered in fear. Moses led the people out of camp to meet God. They stood at attention at the base of the mountain. Mount Sinai was all smoke because God had come down on it as fire. Smoke poured from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain shuddered and heaved. The trumpet blast grew louder and louder. Moses spoke and God answered in thunder. God descended to the peak of Mount Sinai. God called Moses up to the peak and Moses climbed up. God said to Moses, Go down. Warn the people not to break through the barricades to get a look at God, lest many of them die. And the priests also. Warn them to prepare themselves for the holy meeting, lest God break out against them. Moses said to God, But the people can't climb Mount Sinai. You've already warned us well, telling us, Post boundaries around the mountain. Respect the holy mountain. God told him, Go down and then bring Aaron back up with you. But make sure that the priests and the people don't break through and come up to God, lest he break out against them. 
So Moses went down to the people, and he said to them, God spoke all these words, I am God your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of a life of slavery. No other gods, only me. No carved gods of any size, shape, or form of anything, whatever, whether things that fly or walk or swim, don't bow down to them and don't serve them because I am God, your God, and I am a most jealous God, punishing the children for any sins that their parents pass on to them to the third and, yes, even to the fourth generation of those who hate me. But I'm unswervingly loyal to the thousands who love me and keep my commandments. No using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter. God won't put up with the irreverent use of his name. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Work six days and do everything that you need to do. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to God, your God. Don't do any work, not you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your servant, nor your maid, nor your animals, not even the foreign guest visiting you in town. For in six days God made heaven, earth, and sea, and everything that's in them. He rested on the seventh day. Therefore God blessed the Sabbath day. He set it apart as a holy day. Honor your father and mother so that you'll live a long time in the land that God, your God, is giving you. No murder. No adultery. No stealing. No lies about your neighbor. No lusting after your neighbor's house or wife or servant or maid or ox or donkey Don't set your heart on anything that is your neighbor's. All the people experiencing the thunder and lightning, the trumpet blast, and the smoking mountain were afraid. They pulled back and stood at a distance. They said to Moses, You speak to us and we'll listen, but don't have God speak to us or we will die. Moses spoke to the people, Don't be afraid. God has come to test you and instill a deep and reverent awe within you so that you won't sin. The people kept their distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. God said to Moses, Give this message to the people of Israel. You've experienced firsthand how I spoke with you from heaven. Don't make gods of silver and gods of gold and then set them alongside of me. Make me an earthen altar. Sacrifice your whole burnt offerings, your peace offerings, your sheep and your cattle on it. Every place where I cause my name to be honored in your worship, I'll be there myself and bless you. If you use stones to make my altar, don't use dressed stones. If you use a chisel on the stones, you'll profane the altar. Don't use steps to climb to my altar because that will expose your nakedness. And that's the end of Exodus chapter 20. Jesus hadn't come yet. Jesus hadn't come they yet. They needed these. Did How did you like hearing the Ten Commandments in the message? 
I liked it. I mean, that's a... I liked it. That's kind of one of the bedrock things, it right? It is. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things about reading in the message that it takes what is so familiar and almost had become habit and makes me think about it brand new all over again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. So even if the message, let's say, isn't your thing, I would challenge you just pick up a different version then or a different translation and and read it through and just really, really hear what it's saying to you. Don't let it become so comfortable that you're just spouting off words that you're not thinking about. There's a lot of times in church where if I'm looking up a verse, I will look at three or four mm -hmm. different translations just to see like, what's another way to look at this or how, right. what's another interpretation or right. whatever. Yeah, the whole, all these translations and everything, I know people have really gotten into some heated battles over them, but the more I'm finding out about them, I think what it comes down to is whatever one you choose is absolutely fine as long as you are reading it with the desire to know God and that you look for his words to you in that. Because he will reveal himself to oh, you. Oh, yes, he will. And if he hasn't yet, we implore you to just stick around. Because this little journey through the message is going to uncover a few things, I think, before we're all done with this. Oh, at, there's no doubt in my mind. And I really love how well he did at tying in the readings to support or to continue or mm. to talk about what was before versus after. It's remarkable what he has done. It was definitely a labor of love. I can't putting wait this to all find together. him in heaven. I can't <laughs> wait and tell him thank you. <laughs> I'm sure he knows. Mm. I picture him just sitting at the feet <laughs> of Jesus, just talking and chatting. And I'm like those <laughs> disciples. It struck me as I was listening to you read they had the opportunity to learn from God himself, directly from Jesus. I believe that they had an understanding that we can't possibly have, that it was given to them an understanding mm -hmm. that goes beyond. You don't spend all that time and have that closeness and learn from the Messiah himself without really having that understanding. I'm sure Jesus explained so often, you know they had questions. And no. you know that they had more conversations Absolutely. than what is listed in the Bible. The yes. Bible is a small snippet. Mm -hmm. I picture them at the end of a long day, feeding the thousands on the lake, the fish and the loaves, whatever, sitting around a fire on the beach, talking about the day. And then I imagine questions starting, or what did you mean by that? Or teach me more about that? Or I just, uh, I can't wait until I mm. can have that same kind of access. It's amazing, but we do. Our access is right. We have the words of we God. Do. We don't need anybody yep. to go to God for us. We don't need to pray to saints and disciples and all this other stuff. God is waiting for you to talk directly 
to him. And friends, that's the end of the journey through the message for today. We appreciate having you join along and we will see you again next time. I can't believe we're that far in. It's absolutely amazing. And I am thrilled that you're along for this ride. We'll see you soon. Bye.